This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the Laugh Button Podcast on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. It's time once again for the Laugh Button Podcast right here on the Riotcast Network. My name's Mark Seaman. His is Matt Kleinschmidt. Together, we are the LaughButton.com, which is a website which you can attend and check out the latest news, reviews, interviews, and stories happening in the world of comedy. Matt, there's uh, a lot to cover, uh, as much as last week, which debunked our guest. But this week, no, we will have our guest. We will crowbar that guest in there, that said guest. Hassan Minaj of The Daily Show. You're laughing. Why? We're not recording? I wanted to see how long I could not say a word to see how long an intro you could possibly make for this podcast. Well, I can, you wanna, we could start over. I can <laughs> like, go forever. Like, like, I think like you could probably talk for a solid 45 minutes without anyone even... like. It, I was it, like, I'm going to shut up and see how long it takes for Mark to talk. For almost 10 years, it was professionally my job to do that. <laughs> talk was. for hours without anybody interacting. I know. I was just waiting. I was like, let's see how long it goes. Let's see. The next thing I'm be like, yeah. What's up tomorrow? Hey. What are you doing? Yeah. So this phone I'm sitting next to, let me tell you about it. <laughs> let me tell you about these politics. Yeah. These politics. <laughs> What's going on with these politicking yeah, guys? Yeah, there's a lot of people talking about them. As there's of politickers. How's it going? So there's plenty of news, but we're going to get to Hassan Minaj in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, very funny dude. Very cool dude. Correspondent uh, for The Daily Show. I'm going to bring up, or oh, I did bring up, uh, my favorite thing he ever did. It was his time with uh, Jon Stewart, because he, he's one of the lucky ones that got to cross over. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. He was there when Jon was there, and now he's there when Trevor uh, has been present. And I don't know if you remember this bit, but he talked about um, Republicans specifically and how things get done on Capitol Hill. And and uh, he brought up guns and he just he had this piece of paper out and you know what I'll just let him explain yeah, it in the yeah, interview because yeah, it's really it. good yeah and uh, anyway it's one of my favorite bits ever he's on also the Daily one of the show. he's also one of the newer con- correspondents on the Daily Show well actually yes. I guess he's old in in terms of like he's been there long enough but like he's still pretty new like the three main correspondents that kind of crossed over between John mm-hmm. and, and Trevor, Trevor Noah were Hassan, Jessica Williams, and Jordan Klepper. Right. All relatively new correspondents, but, you know, they were, but, you know, um, it was good to uh, see those guys make that crossover. But, like, he's like a younger guy. They're the younger guys, younger correspondents in the grand scheme of things, but they're 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 old souls in terms of uh, experience. Sure. Sure. Makes sense. It makes total sense. All right, let's get to the news. It made sense to someone. <laughs> it, it did. They hired them. All right, uh, Whitney Cummings, new special on HBO. We got the debut date. It's going to be January 23. 23- third 2016 Whitney Cummings I'm your girlfriend yeah well her last one was called I love you mm-hmm. and then one was money shot mm-hmm. you know as kinda, it should have been yeah all these total oh yeah money shot needed to happen with the last name like Whitney Cummings uh name like Whitney Cummings money shot had to have happened but uh yeah this is her first one in two years I believe her last one was uh, called I love you which she is naked on the cover of if so if you guys want to see naked Whitney Cummings I mean you don't see anything she's kind of ripping her heart out but so then is that truly naked what constitutes listen as nudity Here's the way I look at it. 
when I wrote the story about her previous special, mm-hmm. um, I did include the, the fact special? of, hey, look, here's your chance to see Whitney Cummings topless. Right. You know, as a little a salacious teaser to people. Did you so say pe- fala- fallacious? Salacious. Oh, okay. not, not fallacious. Okay. But when people do a search for Whitney Cummings topless, boom, they get this news story. Say, that's me gaming the internets, Mark. That's what that is. It's me showing the internets how I work. Well, well done. Well played. It's uh, Now it's our number one story, and that's what the laugh button's known for. <laughs> so if you so. search for Whitney Cummings topless. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but her new special's on HBO. Her previous one was on Comedy Central. This one's now on HBO. I want to say her one before that was even like Showtime or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of spreading the love around. She's jumping all over the place. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to run through these real quick because there are a boatload of them. Oh, my God. Uh, IFC, developing new scripted comedy from John, or H. John Benjamin, uh, and it's called John Benjamin's 100 Erotic Nights. Uh, <laughs> not to be confused with the John Benjamin from England. Do you know about the... Polit- uh, I don't know if he's a politician. Or- There's somebody over there yes. that's also certified on Twitter. And uh, when we tweeted out this story, uh, his camp caught wind or yeah. something, or some some wires got crossed. And uh, and he was like, hey, I think you mean H. John yes. Benjamin. And I'm like, no, I don't, because the show is temporarily called Your Name. Yeah. And uh, a little back and forth. It was yeah. very funny. And This uh, is the John Benjamin, friends. the voice of Archer, the yes. voice of Bob from Bob's Burgers. Yes. This is the John Benjamin we're talking about. And he had he a had, van at one point. He had point. a van, yeah. which uh, Nathan from Nathan For You was on that show as yes, well. Yes, he was. That was show was on the air for like one season. Wildly weird show. Like Great show. Beautifully weird show. How about we say beautifully weird show? Okay. That's um, fair. And it was canceled but uh, it was definitely kind of spawned some careers. I mean, I don't think he was even doing Archer or Bob's Burgers at the time. So no, not he yet. was he was at that time known for doing the voice of a can of soup from What Hot American Summer. Mm-hmm. That's what he did, and reprised his role for first he day did. of camp. He did for first day of camp. So John Benjamin, ton of television development. Yes, Max Silvestri uh, teaming so up with Kristen Ritter, who you might know from Don't Trust the Bee. Uh, they're both going to be heading to NBC with the. Comedian Max Silvestri's brand new show, uh, it, uh, Relative Success. That's the name of the title. I was going to say this one's untitled because there's so many going on here. So uh, anyway, this is happening. My biggest beef, yes, is the fact that you said Kristen Ritter from Don't Talk, Don't 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 Trust the Beat. Fine, Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad, Jessica Jones, dude. She's well, the that's, new Jessica Jones. That's see now you're steering away from what this story is supposed to be now you're talking about Jessica Jones we're trying to celebrate Max Silvestri here but Kristen Ritter's funny oh no Kristen Ritter's very great she's awesome uh, but what I'm Daughter trying to say John. here is let's focus on Max Silvestri, who happens to be teaming up with Kristen Ritter oh so you're saying uh, who's going to be executive producer I shouldn't be focused on Jessica Jones all right. Uh, so there's a nice picture of Max uh, on our website eating a piece of chicken. So check that out if you want to know more about that development. He's not still got chicken. FX Damn is getting in the uh, restaurant comedy business with Ed I didn't Helms. realize that was a business you could get into. It We're is now. It, yeah. it is now, and it's called Starters. <laughs> uh, look, the show's going to be produced by Ed Helms and his production company. And uh, anything that goes to FX this, these days, it's only going there because it's good. I feel like yeah. FX is the new HBO. Well, Do they, you feel that way? Well, there's, I mean, there's a lot of new whatevers, you know. But mm-hmm. there's like, there's like, you know, you could say that about Netflix. You could say it about a lot of things. But sure. What I like, the, what I like most about FX and a lot of it's, I've never pitched a story to FX, so this is all hearsay. Is that they seem to really trust in the artists that they put put behind a project. So. I mean, everyone uses the classic Louis C.K. deal as an example, but like FX is like, I believe in you. 
I believe in your vision. So here, go do stuff. We'll give you very minimal, if any, notes. Right. Um, on that type of stuff. And I feel like uh, it really allows for some deep and interesting stuff going on, as opposed to like a CBS or an NBC where there's a lot more money at stake. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of hats in the ring. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dan Kennedy's going to be writing this. He writes for McSweeney's, if you know about that. And he's also one of the hosts of the Moth Storytelling Podcast. So there's great people involved with this uh, potential project that we'll see the light of day. Uh, also, we threw up on the website, thelaughbutton.com, uh, the new promos for SNL, starring Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. Uh, she is awesome. Yeah. I, like I can't Banks. think of any other way to describe this woman than just flat out, top to bottom, every aspect of this woman is awesome. <laughs> she's great. She's yeah. amazing. She's great. And I, I'm psyched that she's hosting this week. I mean, <sighs> let's get, let's get into this. Last week, Donald Trump hosted SNL. Oh, oh, he did. I didn't. Uh, I didn't watch. The news was everywhere. <laughs> there were people that had boycotted it for political reasons, right? Because they claimed, because you know, they 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 didn't claim, but you know, they said Donald Trump's a racist, and we don't want to be part of that. Which I understand. Uh, and this isn't the first time SNL's had controversy. I mean, there was like the Andrew Dice Clay episode, mm-hmm. which is a big, you know, almost uh, a very well known like controversial issue uh, episode. My biggest beef with this episode was that it fucking wasn't funny. Yeah. Oh it was my bad. god, was it a train wreck of an episode? Like, uh, that's I, on Trump, right? You think he? You think, I think so? Because look, so. you trust the writers; they're there for a reason. You do, and they're good. But so yeah, they probably wrote amazing like, stuff. That I also was, feel like the the the. The energy might have been sucked out of the cast this week, and what I mean by that is like, before he even came out, he said that he vetoed a lot of like uh, bits because mm-hmm. it didn't like the way that he think he thought it wouldn't play well in Iowa, and you know basically it would affect his presidential campaign. But Wait, so now we're geo targeting Saturday? But, here's, Night Live. but also, but here's the way I look <laughs> at it though: is if you agree to do SNL, you need to kind of commit to that, and kind of I, I almost want to say like. Not shame on Lorne Michaels or shame on Donald Trump, but I think shame can be assigned across the board for if he's not going to agree to do the show in your parameters. Yeah, don't book him. Don't book him. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, but Simple also, as that. But also Trump is terrible. Like when Trump wasn't running for president, hosted what, 14 years ago or whatever it was, that episode I remember not being terrific either. So, you think he bought his way on? You think he donated his way on? Whether he did or not, it's I don't really know, and I can't speculate because I I have no insider knowledge on any of that information. But I just I I kind of feel like SNL to me. I love SNL. I will watch SNL for the rest of my life as I have since a, a child. But like SNL used to be the show that made fun of people like Donald Trump. They weren't the show that invited people like Donald Trump on the show. Or if they did, they did it in a satirical way where they could kind of like backhanded mock you. So right. I feel like when this happened, it was very much. Um, kind of a pandering thing which you know the show's been around for 40 years it's no longer the counterculture it is the culture of it but you could still do it like when Sarah Palin wanted to be on the show and Alec Baldwin had some beef with her they still find a funny way to mock it but kind of make it goofy like with the rap thing with Sarah right. Palin but like I feel like Trump I don't think I don't maybe save for one sketch Trump maybe it wasn't in the suit the entire time he was in a suit. So it's like, all right, well, you're not even agreeing to do wardrobe changes for this specific thing. So I don't know. Like, I think it was, uh, I think it was, uh, it was a totally misfire, not only on Trump's campaign, because if they were involved in it and it, they wanted to kind of capitalize on it, they would have made it funny and they would have made it like that, that human element of Donald Trump. I think it was a misfire on SNL's end of it because there were people there that definitely seemed like they didn't want to be there. Like some of the 
some of the cast looked like they, oh, how do I deal with this? Like, Michael Che's disdain was almost palpable, like, on Weekend Update. And, like, the weekly, like, it just didn't seem like the cast was too into the guest. And that makes for terrible television. Well, here it is. We're talking about it again. Yeah. Donald Trump. So, doesn't matter. He wins. Know. He wins. He end of story. Of that. You know, who knows? But he like, wins. End of story. So yeah, let's, I guess so, yeah. Look, don't watch it. Don't go back and watch it. It's bad. Uh, we're all in agreement there. Fine. Let's, uh, we can move on and look forward to Elizabeth Banks, right? Let's I do just that. got a great email that's way inside baseball that our listeners will not understand, but but trust me when I tell you this, Mark. Okay. You're going to laugh your ass off when you read this okay. email. All right. But we will move on. <laughs> Dangling wait, the carrot. Wait, Dangling so, the carrot. Oh, yikes. Okay. All right. So let's uh, let's move on then, All shall right, we? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean Donnelly was on Conan. Watch, uh, yes. watch his set. It was amazing. We got two posters from Zoolander 2 up on the site. They're yeah, very I'm funny. Thanks about these. I think uh, I think Zoolander 2 is going to be good. You're not making that unless it's going to be good. It's going to well, be good. I mean, I, it feels like it's a movie that's like that's been, it's stood the test of time. Yep. You know, people it, it still referenced. Cult, yeah. It became a cult show, but like my concern is like it's going to have what's happened with Anchorman 2 where too much not too much time has passed, but has uh, it's comedy sequels are tough, man. I'm just going to say it out loud. They like, are. Sure. Name a comedy sequel that's better or as good as the original. It's really Naked tough. Gun 2 and a half. I was going to say, it's few and far between and really tough to find. Hot Shots Part 2. Get the fuck out of here. Airplane 2. Okay, you're talking about... I love all these. These are all amazing sequels. But Hangover 2. Well, like, the problem with Hangover 2 is it was the same as the first one. Well, yeah. Different. Hang, okay, so they Those other ones, they, like, so completely they redid different it environment. And Hangover 3. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, well, that, like, that's just Ghostbusters two as good as Ghostbusters one. Like, there's some movies where it's just like, ah. no. Like Bill Murray himself was like hesitant to make Ghostbusters two because he didn't think it'd be as fun. Caddyshack two. No, no fucking way is Caddyshack <laughs> two better than Caddyshack one. It's I didn't say better. It's just <laughs> as good or on par. I don't know, but like, <laughs> well, I think a big element of comedy is that like you don't know necessarily what's coming or where the joke is. Right. So like. It's kind of like you lose that element of surprise. It's like, oh, well, so whatever. So I'm always leery about comedy sequels. Always. And sometimes I understand it. Like, The Hangover, like, printed money. So, mm-hmm. of course, you're going to make two and three. But at the same time, two and three tarnish what one was. If one stood there for itself and it was this, this fucking baller-ass movie, like, it would have it gone down as a classic. But now it's a little tarnished. Now it's a little like, oh, yeah, there were other hangovers. Never saw the third one. Couldn't do it. Didn't need to see the third one. Couldn't do it. The argument could have been made. Didn't need to see the second one either. So. Well, you know what I did need to see the third of? What's that? Season uh, Naked Gun three. Naked Thirty Three and a Third. Well, that was just as good too. <laughs> but yeah, they're but, all great. But the, all the three of those. Are but great. I think the thing about the Naked Gun movies, and as opposed to like comedy, where Naked Gun. It was all about pacing, and there were also jokes that you're familiar with mm-hmm. before you went, kind of saw the movies. So, like, you kind of knew what to expect with those. And I, but I think knowing that expectation was made made those funnies. Whereas comedies, like The Hangover, you didn't know what the fuck was going on. You're you, like, what is going on? You consider Back to the Future a comedy? No. You don't? <sighs> really? Thriller? It wasn't a drama. It wasn't a comedy. What's not funny three, about it? Everything's funny about it. I Doc mean, Brown's visually interesting. He's hilarious. Michael J. Fox has no funny lines in that movie. He's the straight man, or is that what you're saying? Yes. And Doc's the, the oh, he's bar? 100% the straight guy. Michael J. Fox is 100% the I would, straight I don't dude. know if I could classify Back to the Future as a comedy. Michael J. Fox is hysterical in the second one when he plays the alternate Marty. 
His mannerisms and, and his right. physicality. You know what sequel I would love to have, Ugh. which we've been promised for years? None of them, because you don't like any of them. I'm, I'm throwing leery, out plenty of examples. I am leery about comedy sequels. I really am. Okay. You know what sequel I'd love to see, though? Spaceballs 3, The Search for 2. We've been promised that well, for decade plus. Well, we need decades. Spaceballs 2, The Search for More Money, in order to acquire money to make Spaceballs 3, I know. which is Spaceballs The Search 2, for Spaceballs 2. Spaceballs 2, The Search for More Money was mentioned in the movie by Mel Brooks when he did yo- yo- yes. Yogurt. Um, but... The rumor after that was always Spaceballs 3, The Search for 2. Was I'll tell you what, news. you know where you can get some answers to this? Mel, in your interview did with Mel Brooks 37 years ago. When I wasn't you, even alive 37 when you, years ago. When you worked somewhere else. Go to MarxistHigh.com. Something about Cleveland. And, <laughs> Stop it. And put a bow Go to MarxistHigh.com. <laughs> I've got the Mel Brooks interview there. Uh, we go into depths with, with and, the Spaceballs. And, and, Trust uh, me. It's Major my League favorite two, movie of all not time. Not as good as Major League 1. Major League 2 is good. The, only, the best part about Major League 2 was when he did Pop Fly... Caught. That was the only good part about Major League Two. Okay, Maybe let's move on from this. All right. Because I was I trying to parlay this. into season three I of Inside Amy Schumer. TV shows completely different story. I stand by it. Movie okay. sequels and comedy are tougher to make funny as the first one. I agree. I agree. All right. All right Inside Amy Schumer season three uh, got it on digital versatile disc, and it comes out I think on the twenty fourth. But I watched it all, include the unaired skits and unaired interviews, and I wrote a review for the LaughButton.com. Sketches, Mark. No one calls them skits. What I say, skits? Yeah, I meant skits. When you say skits, it sounds like your mom asking, like how, like, like skits. improv classes go. It's like, how are the skits Sk- going? Skits were great. How Mark. are the skits, Mark? Mark, how are the skits? Greetings from were the skits Ohio. Good today? How are the skits? You didn't make any more jokes about your name anymore, have you? It's played out. Stop <laughs> it. Anyway, Stop it. yeah, so Stop much it. television's happening. So much. Amy Schumer, love Amy Schumer. Oh, speaking of Amy Schumer, mm-hmm. she was talking about quite a bit in the uh, the What the Fuck episode uh, with Lauren Michaels. Who's Lauren Michaels? Lauren Michaels mm-hmm. is the guy that, you know, basically created and is the brainchild behind Siren. Basically Life. created? Basically. He did. He did create. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, he, he, he a, would have something to Lauren say Michaels about is that. one of those guys who really doesn't do much press. Nope. And he hasn't for a long time. Saw it with my own two eyes in the red carpet of the movie he produced. And he's just like, He no. said hi to one camera yeah, and then he sure. peaced out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, but I feel like if Lauren Michaels ever wants to say anything, it's the New York Times and that's it. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes people communicate with Lauren Michaels through the New York Times. You think Times. that's better that way? You think it's better? I think it's old school and I love it. Yeah. It's all, I love it. But, yeah, uh, why should he have he to did be a, interviewed? He did a very in-depth two-hour interview with Mark Maron on mm-hmm. Maron's podcast and talked a ton about SNL. And did a whole hour and a half on why he doesn't do press. It's crazy. Yeah. Super in-depth. <laughs> Listen, we can get Lauren Michaels on the podcast. We could. Sure. Don't sell yourself short. Believe not, in yourself, I, Matt. I, I totally believe this in myself. This is why you fail at everything you try podcast, if you don't believe in yourself. Then when we get him on the podcast, we're going to ask him two very specific questions. Uh, why don't you do press? Why don't you do press? And number yeah. two, what comedy sequel movies are better than or as good as the original? And he's not going to say Back to the Future. He, it's a comedy. I'm looking it up. He might say Wayne's World 2 because he produced it, but he's not going to say Back to the Future. <laughs> Uh, what are you doing? You're looking it up on the Google machine? Yeah. No, well, I just... Uh, look, here. 20, 20 best comedy film sequels of all time. Okay. Wayne's World 2. It was good. Wayne's World 2 was good. It wasn't... Look, here's the thing. We're not saying it has to be better. We're saying on par with, as good. Okay. Enjoyable. All not right. total shit. All right. So what's uh, what else uh, is on this, this list? This is 40, technically, uh, I guess. That's, a, that's like a... That's like a, stretch. a sequel a stretch. with the same cast. Okay, some people claim in Ghostbusters 2. I, I loved it as a kid. As, as an older adult... I don't, it doesn't eh, hold up. Didn't Ghostbusters 1 is a classic. Ghostbusters Be- 2 doesn't hold up. Beverly, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Which one was that? That was one... Was that Wally World? 
Was that no, three? Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah, was that when we went to Wally World? Oh. Or was that number three? I, th- I thought the only people that went to Wally World were... I'm those. sorry, not Wally World. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Dave. I almost shot Uncle Dave. Yeah. He goes to the theme park. You know, I've is never... That, that I've never three? seen a single Beverly Hills Cop. How really? did they make? Four? Ten? I... I Heard of them? Fun fact about Beverly Hills Cop: It was originally supposed to star Sylvester Stallone. Really? And it was supposed to be a serious. Wait, in the role of Eddie Murphy or in yes, the role of in the uh, Eddie Murphy role? And yeah. it was supposed to be like a serious Cobra. Actually, what happened was it was supposed to be like a serious, a uh, serious movie, and they didn't want to go serious; they wanted to go light. So they brought in Eddie Murphy, rewrote the mm-hmm. whole thing, and Sylvester Stallone did Cobra instead. Did co- I liked Cobra? Yeah. Yeah, All right, uh, Austin Powers, Spy Who Shagged Me. Get the fuck out of Liked here. Liked it. Yeah, but are you kidding first, me? The first one was a supernova. Okay, the second one Matt, was a cash grab. We're talking about. All right, it was good. Tell me what the next one. You is. watched it. and It was good. Uh, Christmas Vacation, Lampoon. Yeah, awesome. Christmas In fact, Vacation. That's good. my favorite one out of them all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That one, uh, for some reason, just <laughs> is. A European Vacation, too. I love Chris, that one. Christmas Vacation. What was he going to cut down the trees? Like, where are you spending to put that? Up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so many good I've never more. been offended. <laughs> or bend over, I'll show you. I'm yeah. sorry, not up your ass. And yeah. then she goes, bend over, goes, I'll show I'm you. so insulted. because I wasn't talking to you. And his <laughs> wife is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Get the fuck out of here. Hey, our, our workmate's band is named after a Station. character. Yeah. yeah. Clerks, too. It was good. <sighs> not as good. We're not saying as we're saying right. on par. Right. We're, we're, I, I think what you're struggling with here is is if it's a complete abomination, I get it. Okay. But if it's still good and you watch it and you laugh, that's funny. Period. I don't know. Like part of me, part of me wants to. None of these movies in my mind have been. Yeah, this Rush is, Hour Two. This needs to happen because it's because because it because of creative reasons. Rush, Rush Hour Two. All the Rush Hours are like whatever. Okay, American Pie Two. It was good. Mm, yeah, it was a, funny. The beach house. Hot, one. Hot shots part two. I'll Get defend that one. Get the fuck out of one. here! No, that was great. Hot, Hot shots part two was great. All right. Uh, Muppets most wanted. Wasn't as good, but satisfying. Wasn't as good as the first Muppets. Oh, well, as the Jason. We're talking about the Jason Siegel line. Yeah, the first yeah. Muppets that Jason Siegel did. Yeah. Uh, why is Wayne's World two on here twice? Why would you make a because list? Because they can't find enough to make the list. Wait, get part. him to the Greek as a sequel. That was a, a supposed sequel to uh, uh, sub- forgetting Sarah Marshall. Okay, so because the Russell, the Russell, uh, Russell Peters. Yeah, maybe it's the, Ru- the Russell. The, why would so? What'd you think? Good. Get him to the Greek. It was funny. You laughed. Shanghai Nights, which I'm assuming is Shanghai Noon with yeah, Owen yeah. Wilson. Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> dude! They are scraping the bottle. See all uh, these movies. Jackass number two. Jackass. See, I'll, okay, I'll give it the Jackass. Though every one of those Jackass movies, I howl at. Like they're. Big, but, that's, but that's not like it, a movie. That's it's, just it's people dumb nutshell in the comedies. But I laugh so hard but, at those. But yes. is there really a movie involved? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like what? What? Okay, Anchorman so- two, great halfway through, bomb second half. Yeah. yeah. Twenty two Jump Street. I never saw that. The first one was good though. Yeah, second one was good too. All right. Uh, Adam's Family Values. It was good. <laughs> As a kid, it I, was great. I Both of them were great. Dude, that was the one that MC Hammer did the music to. They do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live. I like how, how you're bashing play, it, and now you're just want. doing the dude, whole entire rap. Dude, I was rap. eight. Shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just like, here, let me just bust this out. <laughs> you, didn't memor- you didn't memorize all those lyrics because you hated it. Just own up to it, man. Own up to it. How about Naked Gun didn't even make that list? Yeah, dude. What the fuck? And you know what's not on that list? Back to the Future because it's not a comedy. I'm looking that up. Hold on. <laughs> Is Back to the Future. IMDb it. See what it's listed as. It's not a comedy, dude. I'm telling you. But the point I'm trying to make is like none of these needed to be made. It's an American sci- science fiction adventure comedy. Oh, that's a lot of descriptives. All right. It's an adventure <laughs> comedy that is sci-fi. It's, it, that, that's, <laughs> it's the same number 
descriptive. No, but, but you're, you're, hearing, reworded it you're hearing all these words before comedy. <laughs> I will take the, the sci-fi out of the first part of that. Okay. It, it's an American adventure comedy. It is. That happens to be uh, based in a science fiction universe. <sighs> It's a comedy, Matt. It's all a right. comedy. All right, all right. Whatever. Jesus Christ. Dude, I'm, and the I'm second sa- one was good. All I'm saying was all these were Third made, one was good. The third one was... They it was were good. All, they were passable. It gets a bad rap. It's good. Go back and watch it. The third one is good. Anyway, they all didn't need to be made. They were not for creative reasons. They were made for let's make more money. I think the second Back to the Future need to be made because they went to a different time period. They didn't go, they they didn't to, go the to the past. They went to the future. That's a whole different thing. All right. God, man, you I are. Know. I'm tough. Negative Nancy over but I there. Do, but I still want Spaceballs 3, The Search for 2. I do too. I want it. Uh, or is too much time passed? Who knows? Nope. Tina Fey's got a new war comedy. It's set to uh, hit theaters in March of 2016. I love that our calendar's already marked through 2017, know, especially dude. with the animated it's comedies. bonkers, dude. Um, so this one's based off a memoir of uh, Kim Barker's time uh, in Afghanistan. So she's going to find the humor in that. Uh, and <laughs> she always does. So I, look, she's gonna get it done. Tina Fey gets it done. She does. June, Diane Raphael, and Casey Wilson. Love Casey Wilson. Yeah. Uh, develop a new ABC comedy called Crystal. So I feel like June and Casey are always doing something. As they should be. They're yeah, great yeah, teammates. Like, like man. whether it be like something for Netflix, something for Yahoo. I just feel like they, they always have something going on. It's really interesting. Did they work on Bride Wars together? I know Casey wrote it. I wonder I if don't I wonder know, if but they was also involved. was that other movie they had Ass Backwards and mm-hmm. they had like the Real Housewives of Florida, Orlando County, one of those There's, the hot housewives or something. Yeah, yeah. Paul Shearer was involved, who's June's June's husband, and co host of the How Does This Get Made podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh did you want to dive deeper into the to the Mayor and Lauren Michaels thing? Or do you just want people to listen to it? No, I just want people to listen to it because, like, Lauren Michaels doesn't really give many interviews. And then um, at the end of it, tweet at Mark Maron and Lauren Michaels, uh, name your favorite comedy sequel movies. I'm hung up on this today. I don't know if you noticed that. No, you should be (laughs) uh, because you can't believe how many good comedy sequels there are. All right, Netflix, guess what? That's where it's at for comedy specials. John Mulaney's got one. It's called The Comeback Kid, and it comes out tomorrow. Uh, Friday and uh, Jimmy Carr my favorite UK comedian he uh, I, I should say it's a tie I love Ricky Gervais as well yeah. um, but uh, he just announced he's doing a Netflix special Jimmy uh, Carr annihilated at the Rose Masters he did just for laughs well that's why I mean, he's the champion like he annihilated like it wasn't even fair like, he was that good he's so good yeah, love that guy good. Yeah, uh, he has a great book check it out so Mulaney what do we think about Mulaney I'm psyched to see a follow up the new in town uh, from what I've seen so far which yes. is just the trailer that we have posted it's already hysterical he's a great joke writer he's a beast he's a beast of a comedian i feel like i i don't look i want to be fair to john yeah okay i want to be fair all right i can't say i saw enough of mulaney the the show on fox Fox show it was bad i watched every episode well here's the thing i can't say i saw enough okay uh the negative vibes were already out there while i was trying to absorb it I feel like he was trying to do something deeper than just have a multicam camera or, or comedy yeah. or whatever, and and he didn't get enough time to to let it play out. Because look, Seinfeld sucked season one. Oh, totally, okay? it was it, terrible. It, absolutely, but we let that Parks breathe. and Rec season one was terrible. Sure, and yeah. we let all those shows breathe, and they became on to be some of the greatest sitcoms yeah, of all time. Absolutely, I feel like personally, Mulaney had that potential. Now some. Uh, most slammed him for his acting chops, and I get that. Not all comedians can act, and I, yeah. I 
you know, word on the street is, if what I've heard from other comics is, that's why we've never seen a Brian Regan comedy yeah. ever surface. You just can't act. And and that's also fair. But uh, I feel like Mulaney was on to something. I wish I could have seen more. But he's back to doing what he does best, and that is stand-up comedy and joke writing. And I think when enough time has passed, he's the next Seinfeld. He's the next I think so guy. Too. I mean, like he'll when get I'm another, sixty, I, when I'm fifty, I'm taking my kids. Oh, this guy. I this feel guy. like I feel like Mulaney will get another shot. I, you, I really do feel like he'll get film another shot. film or TV. TV. I okay. think he'll get another shot at television. Um, who knows? But I think I think it'll I think it'll happen for him. He's too good a joke writer. He's too. Uh, He's too polished. He's too great to like not be on television for people to love him because his jokes are so good. I'm looking forward to his special. Um, but you know, you got to learn these things too. I think the special had but the, the 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 sitcom had potential. It just didn't uh, didn't have the eyeballs, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, it's I, it's true. It's true. Nothing else we can say about it. And uh, kid, I want to give I want to give a shout out to our, our friend over at Vulture who did a nice interview. Yeah, Jesse David and, Fox. Uh, Great interview a, with John Mulaney about this whole special. Yeah, and you can talk, and he opens up and talks specifically about the situation with Fox and everything that went down. So yeah, and they also did a, a revealed an interesting tidbit too on the whole on the whole article was that uh, Mulaney wrote the inter- the 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 audience Q and A between Seinfeld and Larry David for SNL forty, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool because you know SNL. I mean, he wrote. Stefan, he created Stefan for mm-hmm. SNL. Did a lot of weekend updating writing, but uh, and also his little sister wrote for SNL for a season or two. Yeah, that's before, crazy. Before she left too, Claire Mullaney. She recently left too. So there is a good uh, Mullaney pedigree in the SNL world. So, all right, time to get to the Hassan Minaj interview. Here it is. Three, two, one. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, you're listening to the Laugh Button Podcast right here on the Ridecast Network. My name is Mark Seaman. That's unfortunate. But fortunately, I'm joined right now by Hassan Minaj. What's going on, Hassan? What's happening? It's good to see you. Good to meet you, is finally. It, is that your go-to intro? Uh, no, it changes oh, every was, time. Oh, that's yeah. solid, I don't know. Yeah. I usually just wing it. Yeah, that was up there with my Hassan Minaj, not related to Nicki Minaj. Exactly. Like, go-to. Right before you it's, came up here, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, watch yeah. this. He's going to say. It's kind of the go-to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hassan Minaj, no relation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you had to deal with the name thing. So she sure. gets popular. She gets big. Yeah. Are you just like, fuck? Yeah, I was born with it, man. Yeah. Yeah, I've had it since uh, 85. Well, that's what I'm saying. So she didn't reach fame until after you're already an established adult, you know, right? Or exactly. a human being. Exactly. And she and has it. She has another birth name. I don't know what her real birth name is, but it's not. So she could have chosen any other she name. Chosen any, and literally she... <laughs> any other name underneath the rainbow. Yeah. She chose that one. That sucks. Did you go to school with anybody with like other like fake celebrity names? Like, like there was a Mike Tyson in my class. Stop. A Phil, a Phil really? Collins. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had a handful of people that had other people's names. That's amazing. But, but it Phil didn't mean Collins. anything until that other person achieved their success, uh-huh. right? And uh-huh. then it's just kind of like... Oh shit! What do you do? MC right? Hammer. I'm looking for an MC Hammer. I don't know. No, I don't know. No, nobody like that. No one like that. All right. Well, um, let's get to it, man. Uh, your first generation mm-hmm. uh, American. Yes. You know, Indian American. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. Correct. And you have a crazy backstory. And were you born in San Francisco? Want to say? No, I was born in Northern California, actually. Okay. Yeah. So I was born in this 
small town called Davis, California, which is right outside of Sacramento, California. Okay. And you know Davis is a small town when Sacramento is your point of reference. Right. Basically I, one mall in the whole like area. <laughs> yeah, it's like field sadness. Now was your was your mall one floor? Like I came from a small town and our mall oh, was just no, no, like no, no, one no. floor. Our mall in Sacramento is a nice mall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a nice mall. So that makes you uh, a Sacramento Kings fan. A you got to be fan, unfortunately. My favorite. I want. I want to say two favorite players from Sacramento Kings. Chris Webber, go, Mike Bibby, Vladdy Divac. No. Okay. I mean, it's gonna be one. It's gonna, one of them's gonna be an odd one for you. Okay, great. Uh, love Mitch Richmond. All right. Yeah. Love that dude as a kid. Classic. And uh, my second favorite, Olden Polonese. Wow. Love Olden Polonese. Wore the number zero. He yeah. was the only guy that wore it zero in yeah. the NBA, and I just thought that was awesome. Yeah. Like, I'd seen double zero before. I'd never uh -huh. seen a guy just rock zero, and I was like, that guy's automatically cool. And he was great for my fantasy team, pulling down rebounds. So great. I love that guy. Yeah. But uh, the Kings— Olden Olden Polonese— it was was the was was the follow to Dwayne Coswell, who <laughs> okay. also anchored the low post. Yeah, yeah, Dwayne Coswell, good reference there too. Yeah, number thirty-one, I believe. We're in the sky blues with the red. Yeah, which are tasty colors back yeah. in the day. We had a great little starting five. Unfortunately, we couldn't do any damage in the West. Uh, it was Spud <laughs> Webb at one, Mitch right. at two, Lionel Simmons, the L train, number twenty-two, Lionel Simmons. Uh, Wayman Tisdale, who also yep. was a saxophonist, much like our <laughs> president Bill Clinton, and then anchoring at number five, number thirty-one, Dwayne Coswell. Dwayne Coswell. All right, so you got your starting five. Yeah. So you're all set with that. I actually wore number seven in honor of a very, very famous Sacramento Kings player. Do you know who that was? Number seven. Mm -hmm. Well, he it's was not injured Mitch. in a car accident. Injured in a car accident. Uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on this. Just Bobby baby. Hurley. Bobby Hurley. That's I wear right. number seven Duke. to this day in You're, honor of Bobby Hurley. Yeah, he went to Duke, right? Yeah. I remember those days, Bobby Hurley. Uh, all right, so we'll talk basketball later. But you, did you gravitate maybe towards sports coming to the United, or being born in the United States, but your first generation? Yeah. And and I, I'm bringing this up because my wife's Puerto Rican. She was born there, yeah. came here. No one know how knew how to respond to her, right? She, really? She moved to New Jersey. She's the oh. only non-white person. Oh, interesting. And and everyone's like, we don't know what you are. We hate you. <laughs> right? So that that's just kind of that's like funny. how that was. So was it similar for you, like uh, growing up, or did you find friends faster? No, I mean, it, I think it's like it's like any experience where look, there were people that are just like, what? But then there's yeah, regular kids that were uh, friends with me. I would just say that yeah, like sort of being the only like brown speck in a sea of white is just a little alienating. But you know that's kind of what you know the aerial shot of a modern hip hop concert looks like today as well. So I'm sure <laughs> right. you know right. it's like that sea of white and that brown dot. That's Kanye West and that's Coachella. Yeah. Um, Hysterical reference. But <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I look. I had I had amazing friends growing mm -hmm. up, and then yeah, like I, look. Sure, I was like bullied and made fun of and stuff like that. But I think a lot of kids were and i think a lot of kids have felt alienation growing up just for a myriad of different reasons mm -hmm. do you know what i mean sure if it's if it's not like race it's gonna it's gonna be something else like what you wear jinkos and i don't or whatever it was at that period of time you know like you're into mm, blink 182 and i'm not whatever it is there's some gonna be some form yeah of some sort of separation yeah there. yeah, yeah, yeah diversity yeah. um so do you think in any way that led you towards comedy yeah, I think well, I, I, the biggest thing that uh, that led me towards comedy is the fact that comedy is the only one medium where you don't have to tell any lines and you won't get a pink slip for speaking your mind. Right. I think it's the only the only one. So I, I, I had a lot. I, have a, I had a lot of jobs. Like I used to. I was a bagger at Safeway. I worked at Office Max. Um, welcome to Office Max. How can I help you take it to the max? The Canon Inkjet fifty one sixty is on sale right now I love for one hundred forty nine ninety nine. Uh, with rebate, it is ninety nine ninety nine. 
That's amazing. Were yeah. you a good salesman? Did you uh, I was printers? horrible because people would be like, oh, how much is a Canon inkjet? I'd be like, oh, it's like 100 bucks. How much are ink cartridges? I'd be like, oh, it's about $8,000 a year. So don't get it. Right. Yeah. Right. And then my manager would be like, oh, you should sell Performax. Oh, should I? I should sell this insurance that's never going to go through and is like utterly worthless. Right. And we don't honor it really. Like I was just honest. I was just real. Like when people would be like, should I get this printer? I'm like, honestly, just. When you come in, bring it, bring in a thumb drive, print out what you need for like twenty cents. Yeah, and get then out just, of here and, and don't walk waste out. Your time. Don't bother getting toner and all this just garbage. It's so funny having stuff jam, and they didn't like that. But comedy is one of the only things where you can just kind of be like, you know, this is kind of BS, right? Even when you're at work, I used to have this job. I used to work at this tech company called Ning, which was like create your own social network. It was kind of popular about like eight or nine years ago. Like create your own social, social network? network. So you'd go to you'd go to like <laughs> so they were just you, making Facebooks and MySpaces exactly. and Friendsters but for, but for like bands. Right. Oh, so okay. So be like Blink182.com. Let's just stick with the example. Yeah. Would have their own thing where you are you a fan? Okay, username and login. You can upload photos. You can be friends with other people. Gotcha. It's basically like a mini yeah social network Specific for a devoted. To- specific cause or band or whatever is it doing well is it still in existence i think i think it got it bought out but it did not do well and, okay. and 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 um i remember there'd be like meetings where like the manager and people would be like you need to buy in like this is the future it, this thing is growing exponentially like, all these buzzwords yeah. synchronicity digital work, right? digital. digital yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> digital commerce streaming now Stops. synchronicity you're like and people are just like yeah people are like sitting on like these like yoga bouncy balls they're like i'm in yeah uh-huh oh they got free cliff bars i'm just drinking literally as they're drinking kool-aid this speech is going on so they're fully they're fully in invested and i'm the only one that's like do you realize none of us would use this thing right. like none of us would use this product that we're trying to hawk mm-hmm. not a single one of us and you can't say that and I just constantly felt that. I felt that constantly throughout my entire life where I have felt a little bit left of center from mob mentality. And I think a lot of people do. Right. But I actually just had a desire to just like say something about that. So feeling. so then you find comedy. Correct. And now you find a platform where, like yeah. you said, it's like you can't get fired from comedy. You, I mean, you can be banned from places, I guess. Yeah. You could say some stuff you might regret. But ultimately you can't be fired from it right this which is, is uh, pretty awesome so that first time you get on stage was it more of a sense of, of relief because of how you felt in those situations or was it holy shit nerves oh my god what just happened did i bomb did i do well did i whatever um, utter chaos well i did speech and debate in high school okay so so I was, you were set. i was decent i was yeah. decent i wasn't i wasn't good i wasn't very good though i was fine like i was like, all right it was fine uh I don't think like my subject matter was like particularly great. I was like 18, so I didn't have a lot to talk about. You know what I mean? It's sure. like just really dumb stuff. What were you debating back then? Uh, with speech and debate? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what? I mean, there's a myriad of topics that they would bring in for speech and debate. I think we did immigration reform was okay. one. Where you, oh, like, wow. yeah, we do. You so do there'd be some hard hitting. Yeah, topics, you would right? do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like they would give you a hypothetical scenario, like, oh, should they develop this? I don't know. Um, this, this hypothetically, should they develop this sort of uh, housing complex or this mall in this area? These are the implications. You're voting yes. You're arguing for no. Go. That's cool. It was yeah. Good. Yeah. What a great, what a great sort of uh, playground to sort of hone your daily show. Sure. Don't you situation? But, but like don't, you think, don't you think? Don't you think the best comedians are just phenomenal, um, essentially comedic attorneys? Pretty much. They're going to sway you. They're going to sell you. They're going to win you over, right? Yeah. With their charm. Yeah. With their jokes. Yeah. With their theories. Yeah. And you're right. 
do you feel like comedy is kind of like a like a debate scenario? I guess is that what yeah, you're trying to say? say? I, like, I would say it's like a combination between um, it's a combination between uh, debate, like a present be, presenting an argument and proving why it's true, and magic in a weird way because you inciting laughter. It's always this thing of like the punchline is something that isn't anticipated or seen. Right. Right. It's so there is a magic trick notion in it. And look, when the, when comics are in the back of the room and they're watching somebody, there is an element of they're like th- when they can see the strings, they don't appreciate it as much. Right. And the things that make them sort of howl is when or make them go, "Oh fuck, I need to get I, oh, I should have thought of that." is when they can't see the strings. You know, like when that makes me as a comic like oh god like when i watched Chappelle, i, I was gonna ask you yeah. who did that for you Chappelle's your guy those, yeah, yeah. I, he was doing this run at gramercy and i was yeah. like dude this is just like i'm watching a guy walk on water literally there was just landmines he was taking every single issue that is so loaded that would literally he would get huff pote out of his entire career he was doing like lgbt rights he was arguing arguably against it oh wow i was like uh-oh jezebel's not gonna you're not you can't win this right. you can't you are gonna be you're gonna get jezebel out of your career oh, jezebel. and he <laughs> he would find a way to win every time you know and like to me it's impressive it was yeah. brilliant it was brilliant and that's uh, when you know you're at a different level too. Correct. I mean, you can just do that. Yeah. Maybe even on a whim too. You know, it's not even uh, planned. You know. Yeah. If it's uh, current events. All right. So, uh, you grew up in California. Uh, why do I feel like I saw you do a commencement speech? I did. I did. And do a you tell a crazy speech. story about getting your basketball shoes peed in. Yeah. Which is horrible, man. Horrible. Yeah. And uh, and Penny Hardaway was a, a fantastic player. Penny was a phenomenal. Player. Um, but his shoes did not serve you well. My no, friend. no. Um, well, that speech came kind of in conjunction with me doing the show that I'm doing off Broadway called Homecoming King at the Cherry Lane Theater. And basically what it is is just a collection of sort of longer uh, stories mm-hmm. that I've, you know, told at, at, you know, at different in different sort of platforms, the Moth Radio Hour or different like storytelling shows or actually comedy shows. And I kind of hybridized it and all put it together as one sort of theatrical show. Kind of similar to what Mike Birbiglia does, mm-hmm. Spalding Gray, yep. uh, Colin Quinn. So just sort of just a thing where it's a hybrid of comedy and some sort of you know narrative long arc. Do you do you think that's where comedy's going these days? I feel like what you're doing, what what Colin's doing right now. You know, he's on sure. stage as well, um, and even like a Bo Burnham. You know, it, it's it's and I feel like the the British comedy does this too, where it's it's not stand-up jokes straight thing it's more of a some form of storytelling through jokes depending on what medium they're using to tell them right correct yeah does that make any sense yeah i mean i mean do you guys know who paul provenza is sure paul provenza man his fingerprints have been on he's been around forever forever and i miss the green room i wish that show was still on man it was fantastic Mm -hmm. and yeah he's done nothing paul said something great about the whole thing about storytelling and he was just saying that you know with stand-up you can you can kind of only play notes a through m if you were to look at like all the notes you can play in sort of narrative comedy storytelling whatever there's a finite number of notes you can play using just a microphone a through m he was like but with if you use the theater and you use visuals if you use other things you can play notes n through z and especially if it's a theater audience people that are coming there for a theater show and then you also do comedy in there 
you you can play notes A through Z. You can do every single. So look, you could when people go to the show, they're like, oh, I saw some like stand up e sort of things. Yeah, and then they're like, well, it also got really quiet. There were some parts that were just like sad, right. honestly. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's kind of life too. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like life is sad. Uh, I know that everybody on Facebook and Instagram is acting like it's not, but it kind of is too. Well, the and irony of that is just Facebook and Instagram are a facade to you know cover up your sadness really yeah which is weird you think about it which is weird and it was they're supposed to be tools to like capture life and connect you to people which is kind of weird yeah and and i've never been a huge take pictures guy Mm. and uh and so many people document everything and take pictures of everything and all i'm thinking about is you're just cutting your life that much shorter every time you do that because like if you go back and like relive all those moments you've now done that twice and then you've lost that time oh and now you're you know now you only really lived to 40 instead of 80 because you spent oh. half your fucking life reliving yeah. your whole life yeah right i never that's a weird concept to me you're you know? you're quite the jedi man <laughs> what you're talking about is being present man that's yeah. very few people i'll be honest it's it's very difficult to be present it is it's tough it's getting yeah. harder i'm not gonna lie like yeah. uh when's the last time you were without your phone I can't even remember. Yeah, and if you I don't have it with remember. you, do you freak out? Like, are you? A, yeah, you I'm a, like, what's gonna happen? Yeah, sure. And yeah. battery life. Like, yeah, oh my god, my eighty-three percent. Yeah, my confidence is directly yeah in, in proportion to battery life. Which, by the way, like I'm low. Can can we? Can we <laughs> I'm How low are you right now? I'm at like thirty something. I kind of want to ride your anxiety right now. Really? I think, no. We can't plug. Can we plug that in? Or yeah, what? we could. We could plug it in somewhere. Yeah, there's got to be a plug. Right there. But seriously, you think about that all day, right? It's it's yeah. it's crazy to, yeah. to think about that. So, do you have a desire? You you you're friends with so many different comics, right? Sure. Do you like going to the theater? Have you seen the show, by the way? Have I haven't, and I'm come, dying to see come it. Down. That's my photo. I just got back from vacation, and that's now my mission. Come down show, every so. every night. It's mm-hmm. at the Cherry Lane every Thursday night. through Sunday. Right? Yeah, they hold six to ten tickets. Like, okay, it's cool. like an old off Broadway rule. Yeah, they hold. They actually hold those so that patrons can walk up and get a ticket. Oh wow, yeah, that's great. Yeah, come, I'm come there. Through. I'm one hundred percent there. In fact, I'll probably come this weekend. Great. Yeah, my. My biggest thing with it, what I, what I think is great, is that I do. I actually feel comedy right now is a, a half, is always a couple steps behind from where music is. And what I mean, can I take this out? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was, I feel bad. I should yeah. have told you that. What before. I mean yeah, by yeah. that is like, if you look at the way sort of musicians, uh, sort of tour, package, promote, uh, reach their audiences, they're doing it in very innovative, interesting ways. Like this idea of mega festivals or experiential things where now there's like these things like you go to festivals, you put on headphones and everybody like listens to that. And look, there's a lot of comments that do 10 minutes about how this is some weird Oculus Rift fucking version of a concert. And back in the day, Beatles, they never I get that. Fine. But what I think is interesting is they keep pushing that the narrative the, the journey of where how do you experience things how do you do it how do you get people out to enjoy this stuff and um um i think comedy is catching up to that we're like oh we'll do a big outdoor festival thing right oh we'll do other ways people can experience comedy through podcast through blah 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 we're kind of catching up to them so to me I think narrative storytelling and using an actual proper theater, comedians are some of the most interesting people on the planet. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Like talking to Colin, me and Colin Quinn are we're basically roommates for this show. He's doing his show, The New York Story, mm-hmm. while I'm doing my show, Homecoming King. He's and he's one of the most fascinating guys ever. And he's only able to you're getting to see him at full like full high octane, full premium like Colin Quinn gasoline. Offer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas if you see him at a club, you're seeing eighty three. 
you're seeing 83 octane fuel, you know, <laughs> right. non-premium, right. you know what I mean? Fuel. Like it's the like, water yeah, oil combo. Yeah. For like mower. checks are <laughs> dropping. He, he's also got to dictate the tempo of the room. Yeah, like right. so-and-so just did a ton of crowd work. So now I got to like readjust the room. It's a lot of, it's a lot of like learning. It's a lot of just jazz in that moment. Well, I feel like theater, you're there to like, if I'm coming to see your show, yes. when I come see, I'm coming to see you do your yes. show versus oh, I'm going to hang out with my friends and there happens to be stand up comedy happening and I'm drinking and I'm, you know what I mean? You're yeah. not as focused, right? You go see a theater show and you're, yeah, you're locked. And it's like, okay, he, his last show is the show called unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. He wants to extrapolate on this big point. Like, okay, how did this whole thing get made? Well, you kind of need visuals. You kind of need to be like, okay, this is so-and-so. This is so-and-so. This is Thomas Jefferson. This is blah, blah, blah. So in, in my story, it's very autobiographical in nature. And it, it the centerpiece of it is about this love story about this girl that I fell in love with when I was growing up. I, I, I tried to go to prom with her, but we couldn't go uh, because her parents wouldn't allow it. And this love story actually develops over the course of years, and it, and it catches up to the present day. So it's captured through like email, mm -hmm. through oh, Twitter great. exchanges, all these different things that people get to see it unfold. And I couldn't do that in a club. I couldn't be like, so she says this. Right. right. Then I say this. Then she says this. <laughs> then her boyfriend is this. Or everyone like, has a book at their table and they're like, oh, yeah. turn to page 64. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not going to work. It's right. not going to play. Then there's other things where we talk about other sort of bigger issues. I extrapolate and talk about like some political stuff. You need visuals. I need to show like a map of what I'm referring to, you know, um, for it to make it's sense. A total immersion, man. You know what I mean? As yeah. far as relatability, getting inside your head, total understanding making the picture clear yeah. you know all these are important elements that you're delivering in yes. this scenario yeah you know, in this environment that's huge and uh and it's going only till november 15th i just want to let everyone know so Correct. if you're in new york city uh make sure you check this show out i mean obviously you're great in your own right whether it's stand up or people might know you from the daily, daily show, show yeah. uh, etc but uh uh I love that you get to flex that muscle because there's nothing worse than limiting yourself and only being a, I don't want to say one trick pony because there are stand-ups that just do stand-up and they're amazing. Phenomenal. Right? But, but phenomenal. to be able to have many facets and pathways to express not only yourself, but your humor and take it to the next level and expose your whole self because that doesn't necessarily include comedy like you said. Yeah. There's going to be some sad parts. Sure. You know, there's going to be some happy parts. There's going to be some like fucked up like, that's weird you thought of that. You're weird. You know? Yeah. But that's just how you are. Yeah. Now, uh, you have your brothers and sisters. I have, you have a younger sister. Okay. Yeah. So, um, how did that affect your life? Like, how did you feel? You did you feel growing up you had to be like a, a warrior of sorts to like yeah. protect her from everything you were experiencing ahead of time? You know. Well, are you are you, you are you an older sibling or younger? I'm a sibling? middle. I'm a middle child. Really? So I had a, I had an are older, you older? Old, older, younger? I'm oh, really? All right. So yeah. I'm just I'm gonna you know, this is how, this is how, this is about as as controversial as I get. No, I will say this. Um, I have a younger sister. She's four years younger than me. Um, and she moved to the States when I was eight. So we actually first met when I was eight and she was four, which I talk about in the show, which is right. a very weird, very weird thing. I didn't realize how weird it was until a lot later. Where I was like, oh, yeah, I, I did meet my sister when I was. Holy crap. That's kind of crazy. We met each other like nearly a decade later. Um, but I will say this. Older, si younger siblings, you guys get everything from us. You literally bring nothing to the table. You download cool culture, awesomeness, clothes, music, television, everything from us. And then all the younger siblings are always just like, well, well, well I, why are you? You're so melodramatic. It's like, well, you. I went to war for you, kid. Yeah. I yeah. went to freaking war. Sure. You know, like. 
And they're just like, well, I don't get it. Yeah, because it's it's my Vietnam. Mom and dad were my Vietnam. You weren't there, man. You don't get it. <laughs> sure. And your life is infinitesimally more easy because of the roads that I had to pave for you. Right. The the walls I had to break down. Yeah. Yep. Sure. And they're just like, whatever. Mom loves me. It's like, <laughs> that's that's pretty much their response uh, to everything. They're just wow, like, you, you read my younger sister like a picture book, man. Yeah. It's <laughs> really what it is. She it's had two like, older brothers pave the way. Yeah. You know? They're like, well, why did you get into that thing with dad? You totally could have done this. Yeah. I had to step on the landmine for you to be like, why did you step on the landmine? <laughs> right. I'm like walking into yeah basically every elder sibling in every family is just this kid walking around with all these emotional limbs missing because we've stepped on all these different landmines throughout the course of our lives right yeah and they wonder why you're pissed (laughs) right yeah why 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 didn't someone tell me yeah you know yeah but that's part of the figure I don't know figuring out it's kind of the fun Mm. for for me you know I'd rather leave with scars than than come out clean right yeah, I don't know. I think there's more benefit to that. Sure, I feel like you live life a little bit more. Sure. But so, so that story is, and I don't want to ruin the show because yeah. there are elements that are are f- beyond fascinating that that you do uh, bring to light in in this show, Homecoming King. So, um, is it the Homecoming King or HomecomingKing.com? Uh, uh, HomecomingKingShow.com. Show.com. Yeah. So go there for tickets. Seriously, if you're coming to New York City between now and the 15th of this month, go check out check out the show at the Cherry Lane Theater. Um, all right, I want to. I have to talk to you about. Uh, your pathway to the Daily Show. Yes, um, because anybody that it achieves that and becomes a correspondent, I mean, if you look at the laundry list of correspondents that ever been part of the show, have gone on to great success. Right, and and it's just a sort of. I don't want to use the word fraternity, but it's just this place. It's kind of like a cool thing to have on the res. You know, it's like if you make it in the VO world or if you, you're you in a band that actually had a song on the radio. You know, you just yeah. feel like you're in this... You know, it's in this different swimming pool. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, And it's a very unique experience, you know, because the show is so well respected now. Right. And and I think it's understood more so now than when it very first came out and was being discovered and like, oh, that's fake and this is stupid. And then people came to terms with the fact that people were actually getting their news from this facility. You know what I mean? It became real. You know, it. Yeah. Like an animal farm in a way where it wasn't bad in the end. Right, 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 right. And, yeah. uh, and it's a very just a unique perspective that you now get to live. So yeah. how, d- how did you get there? What, what, did you think you'd ever get there? Was that a goal you had or did you stumble into it? Or? To, to me, it, w- it was always a dream to be a correspondent on The Daily Show. I, just, I always thought that, that what, uh, essentially what, he's, what John is doing behind the desk is the, was the uh, we talked about earlier, like towing no lines. It was the best version of that. Like, he's the one that could actually call bullshit. And what's great is that he basically had the Super Mario Brothers star that makes you invincible. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Sure. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Because he's not. People asked him, like, hey, you should host. Um, what was it What was it called? Like, what's that What's that Sunday? Uh, Meet the Press. Right. People wanted Jon Stewart to host Meet the Press. And he's like, look, if I'm part of this whole machine, then I can't do any of the stuff that I'm doing. Him being on this Comedy Central sort of... I'm on the same network as South Park Island allowed him and gave him this freedom to to actually call BS on all these things. Right. Whereas if he was on CNN or MSNBC, those things wouldn't happen, which is why people like Rachel Maddow can't. And they're great. Chris Matthews, they're great, but they can't do exactly what John does. John was able to take his strength as a stand up and then also just his savviness. Him and John Oliver are two of the smartest people I've ever met in my life and Stephen Colbert. 
Yes. They're some of the most brilliant people. They're voracious readers. They're incredibly insightful, super smart. They read a ton. Yeah, like, I, I felt that with the first time I ever met John Oliver, I think was 2007 in, in Aspen, Colorado at this HBO Comedy Arts Festival. Uh-huh. The second I met him, I was like, yeah, this guy's staying in America and he's going to probably do something really huge. Yeah. And you can just tell right away. He doesn't play around. No. He's like, yeah. Genius, um, brilliant. Yeah. And so to me, that was always a dream mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, like, um, it's one of the few things that I can do that you actually influence the national narrative in a way. You shape mm-hmm. it in a bit, in a way. And so I was like, if it would be a dream. But it's one of those things where there's only five correspondents. It's not a big cast. It's five, six at tops, right? Right now. Right. I want to, yeah. yeah well, how many do you have now? Five? Five, right? five, yeah. five, six. Yeah, that's it. And um, and so it's like, and you generally you stay, you know, you stay for a bit. So. The way Kismet kind of worked out is that Michael Che left to go do Weekend Update, mm-hmm. and there was an opening. They were looking for somebody. Before Che left, um, Oliver left to go do the HBO show, and Jordan Klepper joined. So it's like that it doesn't happen very often that like people leave, and when they do, then it's just like a slot of one. And so it worked out that way. I got an email, hey, w- what would you like to submit on the show? I had already, I already had this sort of... Um, series that was popular online called The Truth with Hassan Minhaj, mm-hmm. which started to take popularity. But it was basically my version of what would I do if I had to do a desk chat, but I just deliver it straight to camera. So I wrote, had written a, an original piece, and I submitted it, and then I did it with John, and I, I got hired, and it was a dream come true. It's awesome, man. Congratulations yeah. on you, man. that. I, it, it makes me so happy when people see the goal, want the goal, get the goal. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you, you were going to do whatever it took to get there. You know, or at least put yourself yeah. in a position to at least have the best opportunity. I, I mean, I lucked and, out in the sense that I got to work with him for a year. Right. You know, and like I got to see the way he works. Do you and, feel you feel a little like, yeah, I was there when, uh, you know, John was around. Like, do you, do you, yeah, <laughs> man. Feel that it's a, a huge bit? badge of honor. Yeah, yeah. sure. Because now you're on both sides of the coin. And now with Trevor, obviously, yeah, it's great. Because I know that he also, he, he look, the last few seasons of the show, he's so good. He could dominate an entire episode without ever throwing to a correspondent. Right. Really. Right. He could do acts one and two yeah. and go straight to camera and the audience loved it. And he could dissect the whole story six and a half minutes at a time or whatever, eight minutes at a time, each act, act break. But like that means a lot. I was like, hey, he didn't have to and he did. He chose to ha- like, all right. So, you know, there's times where like most comedians and creatives, I don't have a lot of confidence. And I'm sometimes like, man, what am I doing? Is this going to work out? And blah, 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 blah. And watching him work, first him sort of vetting me and giving me a chance, gave me confidence. And then also watching him work and see how it's very, the process of doing a daily show is very zen in the sense that every day you build a sandcastle and then the water washes it away. Wipe it clean. And then Tuesday you do it all over again. Um, And Colbert had this great interview in GQ where he talked about how doing a daily topical show is like the show Chopped. Where it's like, all right, you got gummy bears, you got peanut M and M's, and you have broccoli. Go make yeah. a meal out of that, and that's what the news story is. It's like you got Donald Trump, you got this plane that crashed, and you got this. You know what I mean? Like, go, go make a show out of that, and you're like, okay. What? What? I can't imagine a better playground. I mean, I seriously can't. See, yeah. Having a fresh, clean slate every day. You know, yeah. just to make some magic. It's happen. a race to like six o'clock, and I'm sure you you guys have interviewed SNL guys. Their their journey's different. I can't believe they do ninety minutes once. They basically sure. do a ninety minute play yeah. every week, right? 
and stuff that may or may not even make the cut until the very last second. Yeah. You know, and you have to be prepared for it as if it was going to be yeah. versus we're going with that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's wild. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty wild ride, but it, it's impressive, man. And uh, I can never get the image out of my head. And it's a good image of of uh, John Stewart pulling out a box of popcorn and and shoving it. Into oh, while yeah. You're, you're you're making your best gun noises. Dude, you know, that like, was one of the funnest segments I've ever done. It was it, so entertaining. Yeah, man. It, it's it's one of my favorites. It's called too. if Republicans had their way. Yeah, it, that's what it's called, right? Yeah, and it was all sound effects. Yeah, like basically, it was the gist of the the, the chat is like Republicans get mad at the way like Democrats negotiate, especially in foreign policy. And the the the, the pitch that start it started with is like, what the fuck do they expect? They expect it to be just this action movie. This like like we take no prisoners. You know, like sign the fucking treaty. Like it, in, and then we were pitching that, and it's like, oh, what if that was the whole chat? Like the whole, report. the whole <laughs> back and forth is like John is like I, he throws it over to me, and I'm like, yeah, the Republicans really wanted the Democrats to go in there and go, and I turn and I look at a piece of paper, and I quote, like, and I did this whole act out. It was my my for favorite, like two minutes. It my was, favorite part of that bit is you flipping the paper over to like mid, you know, stream of bullets flying out of your mouth. You're yeah. Like, Flip the page, and then back to it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and then you quickly just flip over and say, "And back to you, John." Like, yeah, it's brilliant, great job. Uh, that great was job. one of the, the like the funnest segments I've ever done on the show. It's super cool, man. Yeah, it's a great gig you got. All right, Thanks, so uh, let's talk stand up for a little bit. Yeah. Um, you, uh, how old were you when you went on stage for the 18. first time? Eighteen. Yes. Uh, did you feel like you were behind or right on time with with uh, where you were at in life versus like age? You know, and I, getting on stage because you know I'm always jealous of the guys who start playing music when they're 12 because I didn't start till I was 18. You know, and I'm oh, like, oh, I wish I had that six year. You know what I mean? Yeah, because uh, that's when you're developing as a human and you just you get a leg up, but and you have to play catch up. Did you feel that at all with stand up, or did you feel you went in right at the right time? Well, I feel like, like the uh, the first however many years that the first like four or five years were kind of a wash. I'll be honest with you, it was just kind of like me growing up, and then me also like learning about just comedy and the way it works and listening to records and learning about it because i grew up i didn't listen to it at all so it started there like hicks Pryor, cosby all car all that stuff i had no idea what it was and so it started i had to just learn all that stuff Wh- who did you hear first like who, who chris did- rock's never scared that was the first thing you ever heard you're like one. oh that's what stand-up comedy is and that guy does it and- to me i was like he does it to me he's always been my favorite sure yeah that's awesome man yeah. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's one of the best. He's one of can't, the best. Can't yeah. take that away yeah. from him. Man. He'd be, it, go back. He'd be a phenomenal attorney. Yeah, a very well, fascinating guy. It's such a great. I mean, it, it's funny you bring that up because so many comics. Greg Giraldo was used to be lawyers, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Like Paul Mercurio, Greg Giraldo, um, Dimitri oh Martin. Yeah, Dimitri, right? Was going to school for that as yeah, well. Yeah, he was going to law school. He dropped sure. out. Be, yep. Yeah, there is something to it, you know. Like yeah. most people try to correlate comedy to music and, and the similarities there and why that works at a mu- big music festival you also have the comedy tent and you know comedians want to be rock stars rock stars want to be comedians sure. that kind of thing sure. and timing and, and, and all that stuff but but thinking about it from a law perspective is very interesting it's very true it's like yeah. you're arguing your points your jokes your theories and thoughts right yeah um, alright so Chris Rock sets you off yes instantly are you like I have to also do that well it's it's yeah I was like I have to do that because I was like oh um it's funny speech and debate <laughs> so I had just graduated high school it's like oh it's funny speech and debate oh this is amazing and so then you know I just go down to the punchline and I coincidentally lived in a community 
where they have great comedy. San Francisco is one of the best comedy scenes in the country. One of the best ever. Yeah. I mean, and during the period of time that I started going to open mics, these were the people that were still in San Francisco. Arge Barker, Louis Katz, W. Kamau Bell, Moshe Kasher, Brent Weinbach, nice. Shang Wang, Mo Mandel, uh, like re- Ali Wong, really good comedians mm-hmm. that were just about to like yeah, just about to take pop. off. Yeah. yeah. And all those guys were just like a class ahead of me. So I got to sit in the back and watch them. And at the time, it was just like, man, I'm never going to get a shot. I'm never, what's, gonna, oh man. But I actually kind of appreciate that um, things took a, a while. You know, I started when I was 18, I'm 30 now. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm glad that just things took a little bit of time and um, I grew up and matured through the whole process. You know, and I, yeah, I can only imagine, you know, like, I don't know what it was like for Bo Burnham, you know, who like popped super, yeah. super young. It must have been crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, it was like I got to see a lot of it. You know, I got to see a lot of it and I got to it slowly happen piece by piece by piece. Anything off limits for you comedy wise, whether it be with The Daily Show and or you just use a stand up or a human. Off Anything limits off limits? Like... Anything comedy can't touch? No, I think comedy can touch everything. It's just, you just for me, I only appreciate it when it's done well. Like I um uh look like uh i think comedy is a great is an amazing weapon it's an amazing sword to yield you just got to know what you're doing with it and only certain jedi should walk with lightsabers and i think other padawans shouldn't carry them right you know there's certain people that can do that check the metachlorian count ahead of time right yeah figure out who's gonna be rocking that yeah stuff. man it's just like there's some guys where it's just like they're they're walking around with a lightsaber and they're stabbing themselves there's yeah. like stabbing well, audience their members. dad gave it to him right yeah yeah, yeah. there's like <laughs> oh wow i just chopped my own arm oh, off shit. like, yep. like it's like dude you don't know what you're doing and i'm still at that point where i watched the jedi before me and i'm like i'm not at that level yet i'm still a pedal on i'm still learning i'm still tr- learning how to like so I, I hope to get to that Chappelle Gramercy level where it's like it doesn't matter what the topic is. I'm able to dissect it and make a really, really compelling argument very clearly no matter what it is. All right. To step away from your work and comedy, you're obviously referencing Star Wars. You got to be psyched for the new movie. Yeah. You're eating up these trailers. Like now the Japanese one came out and there's like three seconds of different footage that wasn't in the American Yeah, trailer. man. It's and everyone's crazy. going apeshit trying to learn Japanese right now. And, I, lo- you know, I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you're, I love you're all of that. stoked, stuff. right? I'm stoked, man. You got I'm, your tickets? It, it looks great. No, I didn't get my tickets. I'm going to I'm going to let it there, I will say I sh- I probably should have cuz there's nothing like watching a movie when it first comes and people are fucking cheering. You're super into it. Yeah, yeah, you wish every movie would be like that. Like just everyone's on I remember know, I saw the dark quiet, no one's talking. Yeah, I remember there's two movies that I saw in the theaters. It was just it was insanity in the theaters. The Dark Knight. Okay. It was like the first week it came out. Did you do Pe- IMAX? People, I didn't do IMAX, but I did it in the theater and people were literally like, "Dude, I'm in Gotham City, man." <laughs> They were like, we're in Gotham, man. <laughs> You're in Gotham watching Gotham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not in L.A. right now. We're in Gotham City. It's amazing. It's amazing. $15, you can get that. Mm-hmm. The second one where people were literally howling in their chairs and just like losing their minds, Borat. People were losing their minds. Yeah, I remember people going crazy during In the that. theater, people were going crazy. <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah, it's awesome. That's a good feeling. It's, it's an amazing feeling. feeling. To bottle that, oh, man, I could only imagine what it would be like to, yeah, it's great. <laughs> All right, so uh, last thing I want to talk to you about, specific with comedy, uh, and I only got two questions left for you. And again, thanks for the time, man. I know you're busy as hell with the show. You're doing it every day. Between yeah. the Daily Show and your one-man show, your brain's split in two, right? right, right you're the right. man with two brains right now. Yeah. Right? Steve Martin's life. So um, comedy now is, is so ingrained in everything. 
Yes. And and I, I, I technically lived through the first comedy boom. Do I remember it? Sort of, kind of. I was five or whatever, right? right? right, right, right. But I remember it existing and remember it making an impact on culture. But now this this wave is, it's it's a tsunami now. It's beyond big. It's not going to stop. There's no bubble that's going to burst because if we're about to, someone will create another outlet and then just do comedy there because it's possible and we could put it on the internet, right? So that being said, I feel politically speaking, specifically, that these politicians now can't avoid it. Comedians have the power to call them out on bullshit like we were talking about before. Right. And they now have to deal with it directly. Yeah. And it it's a must it's a must now for them to come on the Daily Show, correct? And talk about it, right? Right. Do you do you feel like that's where we're at, and, and it has to happen? And if you don't, and you try to avoid it, it's then good luck because you're you're yeah, done. It, that's going to finish you off. Well, it's it's interesting because um, it reminds me of the parallels with like hip hop. People thought hip hop would be a fad, rap was just going to be a fad, and then it became now, dude. Now, hip hop culture is popular culture. Yes, like. It's at the Grammys. It is a part of like top to bottom. It is just mm-hmm. popular culture. It's in every With, movie. It's yeah. in every soundtrack. Yeah. It's in, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not disco. Right. What's interesting to me is that now, yeah, there's certain shows that are reputable in the popular culture American zeitgeist. SNL is one of them. Mm-hmm. The Daily Show has now become one of them over the past 20 years or so. So it's like, um, I, I love that. And, you know, when when uh, Obama went on Marin, that was a huge zeitgeist moment as well, where it's like, OK, wow, like NPR and podcasts and these things legitimized instantly. Like, yeah. Anyone who had it in question is like, yeah, well, that happens. No, yeah. it's the new 60 minutes. Mm hmm. Like, okay, we're going to sit down with so and so for 48 minutes. And or whatever. so much more raw because there are no limits. Yeah. Right. 60 minutes. Got an advertiser. Sure, sure, sure. This. We got. Oh, uh, we got to cut. Here are the questions break, ahead blah, blah, blah. of time. Yeah, you yeah. know all that crap. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's pretty crazy where we're at now as yeah. far as uh, you know anything is concerned, but specifically politics and how you guys can handle it. Yeah, man. What a time to be alive, man. All right, I'm glad you brought up hip hop because uh, I grew up in an era of the comedy sketch that was half of the hip hop album. And it was like my favorite thing about getting a hip hop album, right? Mm. So the Chronic comes out, sure. and you got twenty thousand dollars sack pyramid sketch on there. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. And so being a fan of comedy and music, and and speaking of white dudes getting into the hip hop scene, yes. You know, I grew up in the time of uh, getting your hands on N.W.A. You know, wow. and, and slipping it into a different cassette, you know, box so yeah. that no one knew you had it. That kind of thing. Yeah. And. Um, and it was a culture, you know, I came from a small town in the, you know, outside of Cleveland. So wow. I had no relation whatsoever to what was going on out in L.A. Right. Yeah. Yet I was I felt like I was there right yeah. through these guys and, and and their raps and everything. And uh, but but I loved hip hop growing up and it was such a unique form of expression to me. And I was attracted to that, you know. Right. And uh, did, is that something you grabbed onto right away as well as far as music was concerned? Or like, what did your parents pass on to you? Because it wasn't hip hop, right. I'm assuming. Yeah, no, 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 you, you it wasn't at all. You had to discover that on your own. Yeah, right? so, I had to discover popular culture. So for me, it started, you know, I was born in 1985. It started there. Do you know what I mean? That I just had to pick up. Good year. There. Was that the year Ghostbusters came out? Okay, it's, it's no, 84. 84. 
8045 is a good era, though. Yeah, it's a great era. A man. lot of cool, you know, John a lot of Hughes. Unsafe breakfast cereals yeah. were sort of circulating. Yeah, you know? it was an interesting era. <laughs> yeah. The crack epidemic was, you know, taking sure. off. Yeah, I so love Reagan. The 80s. Reagan Reagan's eighties was very interesting. Um, and then you know the 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 booming nineties of cl- the Clinton era. So I don't know, man. I I I just had to learn it firsthand, and that's really what a lot of like just like comedy. It was like. Oh, I'm experiencing this for the first time. You know, I had never heard a Beatles record because my parents okay. didn't have a record player. They didn't have it. You know what I mean? They weren't like, I listened to Elvis. I saw the first time he was on the Ed Sullivan show. No. Like my parents came to this country. They they first came and then they were like, oh, that's Johnny Carson. It started there. It right. didn't start with Merv Griffin. It didn't start with Ed Sullivan. It didn't start with. Uh, or even or even the knowledge of the history of it. Nope. They right? were just like, oh, there's this guy and he interviews famous movie stars and it's a cool thing. And so. There was this cool thing where, to me, hip-hop spoke to me narratively because it was very much about, like, all right, um, the system is assigning this value on us. You think I'm this, but I'm that. You know what I mean? I'm going to come up. Yeah, that's every immigrant story. I'm going to leave everything I know, and I'm going to come up. I'm going to get this paper. I'm going to do what I got to do. I got to do this grad school hustle or whatever it is, and I'm going to come up. It's essentially hip-hop. You know, like, the hip-hop narrative is so that. And so I latched onto that. Do you think, uh, not to get too technical about it, do you think it's gone past that? And and, uh, I used to make this joke about how um, I I wouldn't respect rappers whose raps were about how their raps were the best without ever having any original raps because their raps were about that. You know what I mean? It was like super meta and it was like, okay, I'm now just emulating those things that I liked and, you know, and I'm not legit. Do you know what I mean? Do you think it's gotten to that, or do you think it's, uh, or it did, and then it went away? And I don't know. Uh, what, I, what, what, what I think is really cra- crazy and great is that there's so many different rappers coming out, yes, doing interesting, crazy things. Tyler the Creator, mm-hmm. Odd Future, Big Crit, uh, uh, Wale. Like, there's just so many different types of the rappers that it's like, okay, you got your mainstream pop radio rap that's mm-hmm. like Drake and you know Kendrick, and they're doing great stuff. And then there's all these different guys where people are like, hey, have you heard of, you know, so and so? I was like, no, I haven't heard of so-and-so. Have you run the jewels? No, I hadn't. You know, like all these different things exist now because the internet, much like again, to parallel with podcasting. Right. There's so many different sort of nooks and crannies to artistic expression now, which is great. Uh, it's amazing. Everything's just getting mashed up, man. All right. Well, Hassan, we gotta get you out of here. Thank you so okay. much for the time. Really appreciate it. Congrats on all the success. Uh follow him on Twitter at Hassan Minaj. And uh you can spell it M I N H A J. Yes. I wanna say. That's gotta Correct. be right. Homecoming King. It's out now. It's your one man show, Cherry Lane Theater in New York City. You can go to homecomingkingshow.com and it's going on now through the fifteenth. And uh thank you so much for the time, man. A pleasure to finally meet you, dude. Thank you, man. All right, that was our interview with Hassan Minaj. I want to thank him for joining us. Uh, mm. Looking forward to some potential hangout time with him in the Daily Show universe. Uh, hopefully we'll have some cool projects and ideas coming to life uh, involving him down the road. Matt? Yeah, his one-man show is wrapping soon. So It is, the 15th. So yeah. if you have a chance and you're in New York City, go to the Cherry Lane Theater, see it. It's called Homecoming King. It's awesome. All right, so I want to thank Hassan. Matt, uh, tell everyone to go to laughbutton.com. Go to laughbutton.com. Boom. Okay, there it is. Do that. Follow us on the socials at the laugh button, at I'm Kleinschmidt. I'm at Mark Says Hi. The laughbutton.com slash merch. Get all some of your merch. It's actually, it's discounted right now. $14 t-shirts. Whoa, hey. Yeah, dude. I might have to get some for myself. Just saying, like, just do it. All right, just do it. it. We're sponsored by, no, we're not. We're sponsored by the laugh button. (laughs)